a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. At SLRC, they understand your dream to move. Moving up, moving on, moving your body, moving mountains. SLRC can help you find the focus to define your finish line. As a top 10 run shop in America, they use their 25 years of experience to provide custom shoe fit analysis and offer a premium assortment of footwear and workout essentials. Locally owned, locally operated. SLRC is movement inspired. Visit saltlakerunning.com to schedule your shoe fitting today. The J-Mac News Show. Fearless. Honesty. Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to watch out for. Jay McFarland. Fearless. Fearless. About the stories that really matter on KSL News Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Kirk Jowers filling in for KSL Radio. Today and tomorrow, I'm uh, really excited for what we've got in store for you for these next two days. We have, just so you can get ready and uh, push off all your work, all your chores, uh, so you can listen for these two days. We're going to start with Jason Chaffetz. Uh, We've got Mia Love, who has been making some news lately. Khosrow Semnani is going to help us make sense of uh, everything that's going on with Iran and the United States. Representative John Curtis. That's today's show, as well as some other things we're going to have, some fun we're going to have. Tomorrow, we've got Greg Miller in studio. We'll talk about the jazz, and there have been some uh, some political rumors about whether he might run for governor. What what are his intentions? We'll, we'll get into that with him tomorrow. We are going to have... Uh, Mega blogger, social media star, and uh, uh, Rachel Parcell. She's been featured in Forbes. She has a line with uh, a clothing line now with Nordstrom's. She'll be with us in studio tomorrow as well. Senator Mike Lee, uh, Ben Wilson, a fantastic podcaster, has a, a podcast that uh, is really gaining a lot of uh, interest. How to take over the world? Don't we all want to know that? And uh, and Chris Stewart. Uh, so that's what we've got in, in in play for the next couple of days. Thank you so much for being with us. And I'm not going to delay. I have uh, Jason Chaffetz on the line and excited to bring Jason uh, in as my first guest. Jason, are you with us? Yes, yes, I am. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. I understand you have uh, a Hannity segment tonight. Is that right? Yeah, this Fox News relationship, uh, I I love going on with Sean Hannity, and he's got a big show tonight, and we'll be right up in the what's called the A Block, and lots to talk about, uh, particularly it's the still reverberations from that Mueller report, uh, some in new information about Christopher Steele that's out there in the news, 
uh, General Flynn and how that uh, that investigation moved forward. And then I plan to talk about the Inspector General and what we expect to see there. Sounds fantastic. Um, as everyone knows, Jason Chaffetz is a Fox News contributor and a former member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Utah from 2009 to 2017 in the 3rd District. Uh, during his tenure, he chaired the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform and has gained a lot of recognition for his extensive investigations into Hillary Clinton in all areas of government uh, to try to make it run more efficiently. So uh, there's a million things I want to ask you, and uh, – you have agreed to do two segments with me, with which I'm very grateful for, because in the second segment, I really want to talk about your new book. But uh, while I've got you, there's so many current events going right now. Uh, one thing that caught my eye as I've watched you and, and read some of your material on Fox News is you've criticized uh, many of the plans of the, of the Democratic presidential candidates. But one of them, uh, Mayor Buttigieg, has uh, called to invest $20 billion for service opportunities. What has you fired up on uh, on this proposal? Well, the way I see it is it's just more government, more government employees. Look, I, I want to encourage as many young people to engage in public service as possible, and there are plenty of ways to do that, whether it be through your church or the Red Cross or United Way or, or the public school system. I mean, there's lots of ways to do that. What I worry about what Buttigieg is, is, is putting forward is really a rehash of what Barack Obama put forward. Um, and, you know, they supposedly want to do this as volunteers, but, of course, government being government, it wants to spend $20 billion doing it over 10 years. And, Kirk, what we never hear about is what are we going to cut? What are we actually going to make a trade for? That is, we can't keep adding to the federal spending, we already spend more than we take in, and our Treasury is taking in record amounts of revenue. We never hear of, hey, you know, let's spend $20 billion on this instead of spending maybe 25 or $30 billion on that. And that's what bothers me about what the Democrats and what specifically this plan does. It doesn't, it's just an add-on. It's just more government expense. I, I think the the goal of of volunteerism and service is it, it's a good one, but not at the cost of pulling money out of my wallet and your wallet in order to give it to somebody else. Well, and that's what's been kind of interesting watching this democratic race. And of course, we just had a a new billionaire jump in uh, into the race again. So we are not we have not filled out that field yet. But you're right. I, you know, I I was really interested. When Bernie Sanders, who who took off uh, obviously in in 2016 and gave Hillary a real run for her money, some argue that, uh, but for some inappropriate acts by the Democratic National Committee and Hillary, he might have actually been the nominee against Donald Trump. But when his finances came out and almost a zero on uh, on charitable contributions, and yet he's so eager. Right. To give away all of our money, it, it seemed to be the ultimate in hypocrisy, or maybe it's just the ultimate in the philosophy be- between Republicans and Democrats. I, and I think it's that. I mean, you look at the most generous um, of all the candidates to run for president, and it's Mitt Romney. You know, they pinned him as this really rich, wealthy guy. What they didn't look at is how much charitable contribution that he gave, even though he 
was very successful. We should be applauding that in this country. I mean, he's giving away massive amounts of money. And um, you look at Joe Biden. I mean, it's almost embarrassing. He's given like a few thousand dollars over over you know a decade. And um, and that is different. If there is a fundamental difference in approach from these Democrats and the so-called socialists. Bernie Sanders term, uh, that they want to play with your money, the government money, which comes from the people, but they're not so quick on the draw to do it with their own money. Occasionally, I wonder if Massachusetts has figured something out. You know, they always elect almost all Democrats to Washington, D.C., but they often elect a Republican governor, and it seems to be that same philosophy. They'll have a Republican take care of their money at home, but they send the Democrats down to D.C. to get as much money back to, to Boston as they can. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, you know, it's absolutely right. And again, the Buttigieg plan sounds good on the first sentence, but as soon as you get into $20 billion, my challenge to them is, why don't we ever cut anything in Washington, D.C.? You never hear that story. And look, I was there eight and a half years. I tried, I tried, I tried. But there aren't a majority of people out there that actually want to cut spending. They want to increase the spending. Well, and of course, you came into into Congress uh, as the small government guy, and you've been outspoken about uh, spending from either party. You you haven't been partisan in that respect. You'll call it as you see it in trying to to make our government as efficient as possible. Uh, what is the biggest spending challenge and opportunity that you see? facing the U.S. today? If we could throw out partisanship and there's just some, is there some big fat amount of money that we could really fix if we could just get along? (laughs) Well, I I really do believe that until we get to a balanced budget amendment, I don't think Congress has the discipline to do it. Uh, Certainly the voters don't hold Congress accountable for their overspending. And it's very selfish because it robs from our kids. Um, you know, we're, we're spending, you know, our debt is more than $20 trillion. You know, the annual, I'm sorry, the daily interest rate, uh, is near zero, but we're paying more than $900 million a day just in interest on that national debt. I think the single most impactful thing we could do is a balanced budget amendment. Now, some would argue, Paul Ryan, for instance, would argue, well, that'll just be an excuse for the Democrats to raise taxes. My argument back to Speaker Ryan was, uh, you know, that's the problem is um, we're spending the money, but nobody has exposure to it. If we actually felt the impact in our taxes for what we're actually spending, the public would demand that we bring in, cut back our spending patterns. And if we don't do that, I mean, it's just not sustainable. It will be interesting if we get that technology at some point where we could get a weekly report that essentially says you spent, you know, X amount of dollars and just and just line itemed essentially what we spent through the government. Hey, we need to take a quick break. We will be back after the break with Jason Chaffetz. He is a best-selling author and he's got a new one coming out. J-Mac. And we are back uh, with Jason Chaffetz. Uh, Jason is an author as well as being a former member of the House of Representatives. And last fall, he published The Deep State, the New York Times best-selling expose on the publicized, politicized federal bureaucracy that actively works to promote the Democratic agenda and undermine President Trump. 
I should note, Jason, as the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, was the perfect person to write this book. He was the tip of the spear in challenging the deep state and trying to hold them accountable. He and his colleagues took on the powerful forces at the IRS, the EPA, the DOJ, the Department of State, and more. And when he got himself a little extra time by uh, stepping down from from Congress uh, to spend more time with his family and to engage on some of these issues he felt so passionately about, he published a book. And boy, did it uh, hit a nerve and was so successful. Jason, you were encouraged to write another book. Your newest book, Power Grab, comes out in September this year. Uh, but is available available for pre-order wherever you buy books. And it looks like it will be an even bigger hit. It is already in the Amazon Top 25 for political corruption, and it hasn't even come out yet. Jason, thanks for being with us. Hey, no, thanks. Uh, like, I had a lot of fun. It was a, a learning curve to, 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 you know, when you do an op-ed, you write about uh, 600 words or so. <laughs> this is like 75,000 words, and so... <laughs> It, it's a lot, but Deep State went exceptionally well, far exceeded the publisher's expectation of mine. And so this new book, Power Grab, uh, like you said, you can pre-order it now. If you do, you get a discount, and then it comes out September 3rd. And um, I'm recording the audio for it this week. The book is done. Um, but I had a unique perspective, and I got to see things up close and personal the way most people didn't. And so Power Grab really kind of exposes how the Democrats use the levers of government and politics to grab more power, that what they'll tell you and what they say isn't necessarily what they're doing. In fact, in many ways, they're kind of projecting in their attacks on uh, Republicans what they're actually doing. And so I think Utahns will be real. We kick off the book by actually talking about that town hall that I had at Brighton High School. I don't know if you remember that. But, um, <laughs> very well. <laughs> there, was, there was a very concerted effort to do and achieve some things that I think people will be shocked when they read about in the book. We learned them after the fact. Um, so that's kind of how we kick things off. And then we start talking about how the Democrats have, you, you know, tapped into anger and monetized it, but then used public charities to try to move forward their agenda in a nefarious way that is not the intention of what a not-for-profit is supposed to be doing. And I I think in terms of news, that will be the most revealing part of the book. I can't wait for it, and and I'm glad you're starting with that uh, Brighton Town Hall. That thing went viral. I had uh, my children, former students, I had so many people sending me uh, the picture of that. It was it was beyond the pale, and of course, it started happening all over the the country. But you really were kind of the canary in the coal mine to take that on. Uh, I, I have a few questions I want to get into about the book and about what you just said. But now I'm a little interested in how you started. About it's always interesting to me a first time author, uh, seventy five thousand words. Uh, what? How are you disciplined to do that? Did you have kind of a a, a a certain schedule you would keep in order to get that done, or, or how did you how did you do it? So with the deep state and also Paragraph, we just kind of did it again. Um, I had a really good publisher in Harper Collins. They one of the biggest publishers in the country. They've been through this before. We had a set schedule, and I said, "No, I can do it faster than that." And they said, "Look, you haven't done this before. <laughs> we have." And it really starts with one sentence and then one paragraph. 
and then an outline, and then it's hard to write just one sentence about an entire chapter. And once we got through that, then I would actually do voice-to-text, and I would just let it rip. I would just talk, 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 and then that I'd have to go back. I'd sit it back for about two days. Then I'd go look at it fresh and start adjusting it. I uh, also got a lot of help from Jennifer Scott, who's been by my side politically from the get-go. She's wonderful and a great writer, and and I really collaborated collaborated with her in, in putting it all together. And then we had really good editors, uh, but we got to the point by the time we got through Power Grab, they did very little editing, and uh, we kind of learned how to how to tell these stories and inform the public. And I think once you once you read Power Grab. Then you see what the Democrats are doing. You're going to you look at it's like looking at a football game after you kind of read the playbook and you're like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing. They're so <laughs> full of crap. And here's what they're actually doing. That's that's what you're going to see if you go through Paragraph. Well, you're kind of shockingly prolific to me uh, to be able to do two books just essentially a year apart. Um, is Is this book in any way a continuation from the deep state? And by that. I really want to know, for the people who have not yet read The Deep State, do they need to read that in the next uh, two months before the power grab comes out, or, or could they start fresh if, if they wanted to? Uh, they could start. I mean, I'd like them to read uh, <laughs> Deep State. You can get it on Audible or you know, download the, the audio of it. Um, but, no, it, it's a whole other set of stories, and it's more real time as to, look, the Democrats uh, got control of the House. So what is it that Nancy Pelosi, whose picture's on the cover of this, if you look it up, um, it, it, what is she doing and why is she doing it? And, and the whole theme here is that they just want power. They, they really, truly do believe in more government, bigger government. And the deep state has been working to subvert Donald Trump. And we talk about and tell stories on exactly how they tried to do that and what they did in the Obama administration. Paragraph is showing you in real time what's going on between, you know, the beginning of this congressional session through 2020, the tactics and the methods and how they're doing it to grab more power and become more invasive in your life. That's that's what this is going to show. Well, Jason, I uh, I can't believe how fast the time always goes with you, but uh, we have hit our time. Good luck tonight on, on Hannity and everything you're doing. And with this book, uh, we'll look forward to having you back uh, once it's available. But again, it is available on Amazon and anywhere you buy your, uh, buy your books, The Power Grab by Jason Chaffetz. Thanks for being with us, Jason. Thanks, Kurt. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.